Let's come together. Let me just open us up in a word of prayer. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious grace and your unending mercy. Lord, we don't take your presence for granted. Lord, forgive us, God, of our sins of commission and omission. Lord, we're crooked to the core of our being, of who we are, how rebellious we are. That is why we are in need, a desperate need of a Savior. Lord, come and rescue our hearts. Rescue us from this life that is full of sin. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you restore us today, that you free us today from the bondage of this flesh. Heavenly Father, we turn to you with humility at this very moment. We ask, God, that you would just have your way within us, O oh Lord. We invite your presence here in this place. May the name of the Lord be praised. And as you transition to the message, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who are listening here today, Lord, may it be pleasing, Lord, for you alone are our rock and our redeemer. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We praise you here today and forevermore. And as God's people, we pray. Pray all these things. Your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen and amen. Let's just take a moment to greet one another. Just real quick before we begin. Let me start off with the title of today's message. The title is called Back to the Basics. Back to the Basics. Back to the Basics. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, go back to the basics. Our main scripture is found in John chapter 8, verse 31 to 32. John 8, 31 to 32, it says, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's begin with, do I know, with point number one, the blood that washes my sins away. The blood that washes my sins away. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 says this, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Another translation in that word freed, it says washed. Why do we shower? What is the point of washing our clothes? Our contact every day when we go out in the morning when we leave and when we come back in the evening, our contact with the dirty world leads us to shower and to the washer. We need to wash our clothes and we need to wash ourselves. In the same way, A.W. Tozer, he says this, what does a laundry do with our clothes? Our contacts with civilization make our clothes dirty, greasy, sometimes spotted. The dirt is not only on our clothes, soon it is actually in them. We can shake the garment, 
argue with it, talk to it, read Shakespeare to it, lecture it on patriotism or the advances of civilization. Still, it is soiled and dirty. The dirt must be loosed. The garment must be set free from its soil. So as the clothing undergoes being rinsed, being washed, being dried, and it is presented back to the owner, to the body, clean and tidied up. The thing that washes away our sins as Christians, the only thing that can wash away our sins away as Christians, as fallen creatures in this world, is the blood of Jesus Christ. So quickly, our sub-points, letter A, B, C. Letter A, blood, B, washes, C, sins. And I'm going to explain what each of these words mean. So with the blood, we must always fight Satan. We must always fight the accuser. Satan with the blood of Jesus Christ. It is our single greatest weapon as Christian men and women of God. It is never with our own goody-two-shoes, merits, conducts, actions, but it is by the blood that washes away all of our sins. Keep in mind, I wrote here the word sins. And the point here, the blood that washes my sins, that S is important, my sins away. There is a difference between sins and sin. The blood that washes our sins away. Amen and amen. So when God sees us, when God looks at us, he needs to see the blood of the lamb over us. That is the way we take a spiritual shower. That's how we cleanse ourselves. It is through the blood of the lamb. As it says, he has freed us from our sins by his blood. Revelation 1, 5. In Revelation 12, 11, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony, how do we overcome the devil? How do we overcome the accuser, Satan? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed for us on the cross. It says in Romans 8, Paul says in verse 33 to 34, he says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who can make us innocent from these charges of sins that we have committed? It is the blood of the Lamb. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. So again, the war washing, it means to be freed, no longer bondaged, in our sin, it says in Hebrews 9, 22, it's not on the screen, but it says, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with what? Blood. What blood? It's the blood that was shed for us on the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ. And it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Just like the Old Testament, they take an innocent animal, sacrifice it, and the blood, the scapegoat, it takes my sin, the punishment that I deserve, 
the high priest goes and he sprinkles the blood. And that blood represents us being cleansed. But it is once and for all the blood that was shed for us, the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, sins, sins here, again with the S, I'm talking about the sins of commission and omission. Commission is something that we do, that we commit. Omission is something that we don't do, something that we should be doing, but we choose not to. It could be many, and it could be multiplied. Here's what Watchman Nee said. He said, I need forgiveness for my sins, but I need also deliverance from the power of sin. And sin, I'm going to go over it in our next point. So please understand the difference. There is a difference between sins and sin. I need forgiveness for my sins, but I need also deliverance from the power of sin. How do we become delivered from the power of sin? I'll get to it in the next point. But before I get to the next point, let me just quickly just talk about what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. Uh, Romans 8 is something that we all Christians, we should know, all of us. It's the hallmark. It really represents the gospel. If you have maybe like five minutes to present the gospel to someone, I mean, there are many great passages. But really go to Romans chapter 8 because it talks about our fallen nature. It talks about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But in Romans 7, before he presents to us the word of salvation, Paul here, he has an inner struggle. If you have the Bible with me, if you could turn there, Romans chapter 7. Specifically, let's go to verse 15 to 25. Romans 7, 15 to 25. So pretty much Paul here, he's having an internal struggle, a fight. He says, I do not understand what I do. What I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. So it just continues on. And pretty much his point is, I'm a wretched man. Who can rescue me from this body that is subject to death? I remember a long time ago when we had retreats, especially for the youth group kids, they would have to memorize scripture. They would have a scripture to memorize for each meal, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They would have to get in line. And unless they memorize, they can't eat. This was one of the passages that's very difficult that really stumped the, the students. You know, I do not understand what I do, what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. That's one of the things, and it was very difficult to memorize that. But in this passage, it really shows the inner struggle of Paul. And this really reflects our inner struggle as well. That there are sins that we commit, the sins of omission and commission. And there is a power of sin that is deeply rooted in all of us. And as I get older, the less I point my finger, 
because I realized not only have I committed many sins before the Lord, but honestly, at the end of it, there's seriously something wrong with me. There's seriously something wrong that is within me. Not only do I need to be forgiven for my many sins, but I need deliverance, as Watchman Nee says. I need deliverance from the power of sin. So again, point number one, let us understand and know the blood that washes my sins away. What is the blood for? It's for washing away your sins. So A, blood, B, washes, C, sins. Point number two, do I know the cross that crucifies my sin away? There is no S here, my sin away. Watchman Nee, he says, we need the blood for forgiveness. We need also the cross for deliverance. So quickly, let's do our soul points quickly. Letter A, B, C. Letter A, cross. B, crucifies. C, sin. And D, flesh. So what do I mean by the cross? This is what it means, and I hope that you will know this forever. If someone asks you, you will know. The blood deals with what? Sins, right? With the things that I've committed, the sins of omission and commission. What I did, what I didn't do. However, the cross, it crucifies. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, crucifies? The cross crucifies. The cross deals with the sin, the sinner, the core, the root. So when I say crucifies, we are all sinners due to the first man, the first created, Adam, the first man. It says in Romans 5.12, therefore... I'm going to go back to Romans 5 later at the end. But it says in verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man. It's talking about Adam. One man. And death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sin. We all have the DNA of being a sinner from the moment that we are born. And we were created in our mother's womb. Just to give you an example, you cannot change this identity. There's a lot of people who are wanting to change their gender, the color of their skin, or their family, or who they are, their identity. I can speak Japanese and I can learn Japanese, but that does not make me Japanese. I cannot change my identity. You cannot change the fact that you are a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Meaning if we are of Adam's race, the human race, then we are doomed. We are sinners also. By nature, we are sinners. Just because Adam sinned, Adam and Eve, we are their descendants. See, when I talk about the word sin. 
What I'm talking about here is the principle of sin, the power of sin that is rooted in me. It is living inside you right now. It is working in me. Nee says this, I want deliverance. I need forgiveness for what I have done. That's good, right, to be forgiven? It's good. It's good to be forgiven. It's good to be given a second chance, third chance, fourth chance. But he says, but I need also deliverance from what I am. The trouble lies far deeper than in what we do. It lies in what we are. I am not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I am a sinner. Amen. And amen. A sinner is what I am, is what you are. Therefore, we must be crucified. We must crucify ourselves with Christ. Yes, the blood washes and it disposes of your sins. Ultimately, the problem doesn't lie on just deleting the history in your browser. Sometimes you just need to take that computer and just throw it out the window. Get rid of the whole thing. It's the root that is ingrained within us. When I'm talking about here, the flesh. Paul says this in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The sins have been dealt by the blood that was shed for us. The sinner must be dealt with by the cross, the flesh. And the flesh is not something to be admired or praised. We live in a generation, in a world, as human nature, we praise physical attributes, right? Oh, you're so tall. You're so handsome. You have such beautiful eyes. You have so much grace. They're not even talking about the core of who you are. They're talking about your physical attributes. But the Bible makes it very clear that flesh is not something to be praised or admired. Even Jesus, he was not admired for his flesh. The Bible warns us of our carnal nature. Carnal meaning the human nature. It says the flesh is full of evil. It says the flesh is deserving of the greatest punishment. So as Christians, as the flesh undergoes crucifixion, as Jesus was crucified in his flesh, and as he came out dead, we also must crucify the flesh and come out dead. Unless we die to the flesh, we cannot be resurrected with Christ. We must undergo a transformation by being crucified in our flesh. And how do we do that? Like Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 5.24 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh 
with his passions and desires. We must crucify the flesh with the passions and his desires, it says. And Jesus fought the flesh his whole life. Particularly here in Mark 14. It's not on the screen. But I have the quote where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He tells his disciples to pray. And they're sleeping. They're sleeping. And he says, the spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. May we crucify the flesh. Amen. And amen. The cross that crucifies my sin away. And lastly, point number three. The grace that restores my heart today. Today. Not tomorrow, but right now. As Christians, our focus must not be concerned with our doing or not doing. You know, the external things, those things are good. Uh, But our focus, our main focus must be concerned with my being. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, being? Being. Not doing. doing. (laughs) Being. Amen and amen. We discover to our dismay that it is something more than just the cause of trouble on the outside that there is, in fact, more serious trouble on the inside. We try to please the Lord by finding something within that does not want to please Him. We try to be humble, but there's something in our very being that refuses to be humble. We try to be loving, but inside we feel most unloving. We feel hate. We smile. Can we turn to our neighbor and smile? Let's give that fake smile that we give. Take that fake smile. We smile and try to look very gracious, but inward, inwardly, inwardly, we feel ungracious. The more we try to rectify matters on the outside, the more we realize how deep-seated is the trouble. Then we come to the Lord and say, Lord, this is where all of us needs to be, Lord. Lord, I see it now. I see. Not only what I have done is wrong. I am wrong. I am wrong. I am wrong. So quickly, letter A, B, C. Grace restores heart. What is the meaning of grace? It's very simple. So simple, yet very profound and deep. Something that we will never understand. You know, we could spend our whole life studying it. But it's not something that we learn here. It's something that we go through. And we must experience and encounter. The definition of grace is this, the unconditional forgiveness. Favor restoration keep in mind I said unconditional to the sinner to the individual who is not worthy to the unworthy to the unclean to the unworthy to the unclean 
you know, we've been spoiled growing up, our parents telling us, you're good, you're amazing, you're better than all these other children when you're the last in the race. You're the last person who can't even do the push-ups. Or you're the last person in academics. And they'll believe that you are the best because you are the child of that person. But the reality check is this, that we are not worthy and we are not good. Just like the line from the movie Top Gun, I am good. Right, Hangman says, I am good. I'm very good. No, I'm very wrong. I'm wrong. Something is wrong within me. Something is wrong within me. There's something going on within me. There's a deep-seated power of sin that is working within me. And unless we come to that realization and the truth of who you are as a person, as a man and woman of God, we will not be saved. Unless we come to that place of humility where we understand how wretched I am, how crooked I am, how evil I am, if you don't have that, then you're going to always believe that you are somewhat good. The money that I gave to that homeless is somewhat is going to rescue me and help me. And when you go to the Almighty God on the day of judgment, He will look at you and He will see your good deeds. Your good deeds. Remember that time we went to New York City and I spoke to that homeless person? And I tried to follow that person with no shoes and tried to help that person. Do you remember God? And God will look at you and say, I don't know. Everything that you have done, I don't see. Unless it was done by the washing and the covering of the cross and the washing of the blood in Jesus Christ. All that is in vain. We need to come to a place where you feel unworthy. Now you feel unworthy, where you are unworthy, where you are unclean where you can truly understand and grasp the truth of the unconditional forgiveness and favor and restoration that is brought, that is bestowed upon the individual who is not worthy, who is unworthy. One of the most beautiful passages of scripture and a message that I'm going to share this upcoming Tuesday in our nursing home is found in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 42. And it says, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. Henson's disease. At that time, leprosy was seen as a serious, serious disease. If you contract leprosy, it means that you have done something wrong, very wrong. A sin, something deserving of this punishment. So when a leper comes, people will shout, unclean unclean and kids will run away people will not touch that person he was truly isolated just like the movie Braveheart the father who was in the roof that's leprosy isolated from society from community people would avoid he could not even go near his own family imagine he says a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees he understood his nature. He understood that he was unworthy. He understood that he could not be rescued. He understood that he was an outcast of society, the lowest of the lows. Begged him on his knees, if, if you are willing, 
if Jesus, you are willing, you can make me clean. Imagine his desperation. Do you truly feel the same way as this individual does? Do you truly understand your nature, that you are like this leper individual, that you are unclean, that you are hopeless beyond hopeless? And it says, verse 41, Jesus was indignant. I guess you could say he was annoyed. Of course he can. It doesn't mean, I don't think it means that Jesus will annoy you. Get away from me. Get out of here. You're dirty. Get out of here. Because the next part of the story contradicts that. Jesus was annoyed because of course he can. He's God. He's the creator of all things. He's the savior. He's the Messiah. Jesus was indignant. And this is the part I love. He reached out his hand and touched the man. Touched. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. It just could have been like, all right, stay right there. Be clean. All right, go. Go, get out of here. But he reaches out his hand and touches the man. Maybe the first touch that he's experienced in years. I am willing. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Closing with this, grace is not alone. It is not alone. It is a gift that is bestowed upon you here today, just like this leper. Again, it is not alone. It is a gift that is given to you. Grace means this, that he took our place. We deserve death. And he took the wrath of God on our behalf. 2 Corinthians 8 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, just like Philippians 2, the passage that we went over with Jesus Christ having the same mindset, the humility, obedient to death, even death on a cross. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you through his poverty might become rich. That, my friends, is the definition of grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The prison time, the jail time that I was supposed to have and take. He took me out. He went through the sentence on my behalf. Oh, how grace restores. Oh, how grace reinstates. And how grace forgives. He restores my heart. He restores your heart here today, no matter where you are or how you feel. Turn to him like the leper. He will restore you. I am willing. 
be clean, be clean, be clean. Why the heart? The heart represents your life, your past, present, future, your one life that you have. That's what Proverbs 4 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. May you guard your heart here today. And how do we guard our hearts? We turn to the Lord with humility. Turn to Him. Point number one, do I know? Again, going back to the basics, do I know? The blood that washes my sins away. Do I know, point number two, the cross that crucifies my sin away. Number three, do I know the grace that restores my heart today, today and forever? Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Amen and amen. I want to encourage you this week to read uh, Romans chapter 5. Maybe you could go to 6, 7, and 8, 5, 6, 7, 8. But Romans 5, it really makes a clear picture of the beginning of our fallen nature. Where Paul, he talks about how sin entered the world through one man. He's talking about Adam. And how one man, Adam, he brought death through sin. And this death came to all people. Because all sin, right? This is the message that we give in missions, people who have never heard the gospel. But it doesn't just end with a sad note. It ends with hope. He goes on, he says, But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many die by the trespass of the one man, how much more that God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflows to the many. So it's comparing the two individuals, Adam versus Jesus Christ. The human race versus Jesus Christ. No amount of sin, no amount of rebellion, no amount of power that is created by mankind, humankind, can compare to the grace and the power, the mighty power of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, death came through one man, Adam. But how much more will you receive through this other one man, Jesus Christ? Through the obedience of this one man, many will be made righteous. Where sin increased and sin is increasing, right? When more people are born, the sinful nature, the sins that are committed, the power of sin is becoming stronger. But where sin seems to increase, it says grace will increase all the more. It will overpower the power of sin so that just as sin reign in death, grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And amen. May we come back to the basics, learn the basics, and know the basics, and apply the basics. Sometimes we need to come back to the basics. Amen? Right? We need to come back 
come back to our roots and understand our fallen nature and understand our upbringing, where we came from. We are in desperate need of our Savior. As Jesus said in John 8, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. May the truth of the gospel set you free here today. Amen and amen. Amen? Amen. And now, may the Lord bless you and continue to keep you. And may the Lord continue to shine his face upon you and continue to be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you to give you peace. And now, may the unending pursuit, may the unending grace, the priceless grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gentle counsel and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, which surpasses all the knowledge of this world, continue to keep you and guide you and protect you forevermore. And as God's people, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen.